we are rolling, we are rolling. We are well into the conversation, so that I know the energy is going to be good on this one. It's Beer Rap and Banner at Beer Rap Bants. Myself, Ben English. Myself, Cal Serious. Hope everyone's doing good out there. How you doing yourself right now, Ben? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good. Enjoying today. It's been productive um, as we go through more sort of quarantine and lockdown and we're just providing you this content to get you through your commute. I know some people are going back to work. Uh, big up all the key workers. We applaud you. Or if you just listen to this for some light relief throughout the week, don't forget you can hit us up at, at beer at bants, beer at gmail.com and also our football podcast at podcast play on. But I've been really well, Cal. How have you been, brother? I've been all right, but I can't lie, I'm kind of getting a bit sick and tired of applauding the key workers right now. So when eight o'clock comes around, don't expect <laughs> to see me standing outside my yard banging pots and pans, you get me? You're doing like... opposite. <laughs> 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 no, no, I believe in, like, let's nice them up. Let's, like, set up a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter, put some money together and then get them a bonus or something. I, I'll wholeheartedly put my hand in my pocket and contribute to that. But, like standing up and down like sort of banging pots and pans clapping every night that's not really me anymore man I've done it yeah, once yeah, yeah. I ain't really trying to keep doing it every day that's um, nice. but yeah yeah I'm alright man I'm alright you know I'm just quite excited about today because one we've got the football coming back and two we've got a special guest with us on the podcast today um, someone who uh, is like a linchpin in the UK rap scene uh, someone who's a, he's, a, he's a man who's got his fingers in many different pies so it's going to be interesting to speak to him and find out exactly what's going on with this brother right here um, ladies and gentlemen I'd like to introduce you to Kingpin hey what's good what's good man it's a pleasure to be here guys be a rap and bounce thank you all, thank all, you for coming all, on all of, these, all of these things are like pivotal parts of my life things that I enjoy so I'm glad to partake in it with you guys and you know love what you're doing and honour and a privilege to be here, man. Loving it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for dedicating today, although people are not, not doing much in the, in the day. Um, so, yeah, just let people know a bit about yourself, because I know I know Cal's familiar with you, and, and um, I've got talking to you, and I've done my research, but just sort of where can people hit you up on your socials and tell us a bit about yourself briefly? So, um, on the Insta, it's at Kingpin Connect. Like, my journey into hip-hop was, like... You know, in a very, in a nutshell, I started as a jungle MC. That was my thing, junglist music. And I was lucky enough, I transferred into the world of garage and I was lucky enough to do all that early Iron Apple bookings and all that, which seems a million miles away from hip hop, right? Um, but then, um, you know, I wanted to sort of progress and, and do more content driven work. And I'd always been a fan of hip hop throughout my whole, um, throughout my whole participation in music. Although I didn't rap and do hip hop, I always loved hip hop, but just felt like it was something that it wasn't my territory. It was a US thing, you know? And then um, eventually during my studies, I discovered a lot more UK spitters that weren't like junglist MCs and stuff like that. And that's when I kind of got into um, thinking, you know what, I can do this as well. And um, came back to UK, got involved with the whole um, Speaker's Corner and the People's Army movement in Brixton did the whole end of the week thing, got in a crew called Caxton Press, and then did my solo career as well. That, in a nutshell, is the journey. But throughout each, you know, each part of that journey, there were like key pivotal moments and moments of focus that were really important in me making the transition from Garage and hip hop. Yeah. That is a hell of a nutshell summary because, like, we could probably do a whole episode based on each one of those things you mentioned there, man. For sure. Sure. Well, that's um, 
because it's funny what you're saying because I know Cal Cal got into jungle at school. He used to MC to jungle, and he got into hip hop that way. I hope you don't mind me saying that, Cal. And I was similar. Where I got into rap through like I used to rave to Garage, and then listen to rap, and then started started writing bars and whatnot, whatnot. So I can I can see our path sort of similar. And then we all used to hit up like Speaker's Corner and End of the Week and stuff. So yeah, man, it's it's, it's good to see you here now with us. Yeah, man. Well, the, the thing is like. I think maybe it kind of is a representation of where we are as a generation. Obviously, there's the generation before us that kind of created this kind of landscape of hip-hop in this country as it is. But, like, if you were into what was current, and I use this word lightly, like, what was the current urban trends, yeah, at, that, at the time that we were, like, teenagers and stuff like that, then you can't, you can't ignore jungle, you know? I, I always cite Stevie Hyper D, Skibba, Shabba, like mm. locking into Cool FM was critical. That was the one. 24.5 Cool FM, that was like life, man. And like hearing British guys spitting was just like, yeah. okay. So this is the lane that I can occupy because I always wanted to contribute in music. But like I said, hip hop wasn't my territory. But then you could hear these British guys just toasting the mic differently. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know what? I love this. And so, you know, my involvement initially was my, my boy had a pair of Techniques 1210s and he was spinning them in his yard all the time. And I was just like, you know, all of us were fighting over getting some time on the decks. And the mic's sitting there, and it? It's there, it's available. Are you brave enough to pick it up? You know what I'm saying? So naturally one or two of us would muck about kind of karaoke or drop bars from skip drop one of skibber's bars or drop some of shabba's bars on yeah. the mic and then you know eventually it gets to a point where it's like come with something original you know what i'm saying so yeah that period of time was key because those junglist mcs they gave me the belief that you know it's acceptable for us to touch mic that's calm and you could do it in this accent you can you can use london slang you mm. can you can just be yourself and spit bars on this thing. And that, that was so important for me and my journey. Those are my, that's when I cite my inspirations in like what got me into rap. Ultimately, it's them guys, man. Sick. Mm, mm. And my first rave, you know what I mean? Stratford Rex, um, telepathy. Telepathy. Uh, yeah. telepathy. Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> telepathy is the place to be. And, you know, I was too young to be in a rave and I was just in there and I just thought, yo, I love this culture. I had the off-key mosh. Yeah? Don't, yeah. Know what I'm talking. I had the, the off-key machine of regos. Come on, I was just looking wild out here. Just <laughs> thinking I was stylish and just like, and that was me like understanding, okay, this is a London scene and it, mm. felt, it felt sick. And I believe really... That's the core and root of the entire, um, you know, if you trace back all the roots of the music now and why UK music has become such a global phenomenon. Everyone, everyone in Europe is about it. My cousin's from Sweden and she, she calls it UK drill. You know, she don't think drill's invented in Chicago. She thinks it's from UK. And they are watching Top Boy. They're watching our stuff in Europe more say than... You know what I mean? More say than the stuff that's going on in the States for a lot of places. 100%. And when we really cite where that kind of, the birth of that UK movement, I feel like Jungle was key, man. Mm. Absolutely key, you know? It paved the way for what happened in Garage. 
it paved the way for what happened with grime. Mm-hmm. And now what we've got with this kind of rap, Afro swing, Afro beats thing, you know, it all filters down, man. It all trickles down from that kind of era. I think it's dope how you, you identify with the, uh, the kind of roots of UK culture, UK street culture coming from that jungle scene um, where, you know, names like uh, Brocky and Det and, and Skibber were really killing it in that arena. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that comes to mind is uh, Shabba Shabba D, yeah. Heartless Crew. And uh, yeah. I saw an interview recently with uh, a guest we've had on our show, Nova, where mm-hmm. Nova had uh, Shabba and Logic on their show. And um, I, it was Mighty Mo. It was Mighty Mo. He had yeah, yeah, Mighty Mo from Heartless. Mighty Mo, even. Oh wow! I'm getting I'm getting my names wrong. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, yeah, Mighty Mo from Heartless Crew. And yeah, and uh, and and it's just kind of it's quite dope for me to see characters like that kind of like intermixing with the hip hop crowd because I always thought these scenes were quite separate, but it does seem like as we move forward, the kind of UK scenes are kind of unifying. People are doing stuff that are kind of like influenced by other things. Like um, I'm sure you've got a bit of a drum and bass influence in your music. Mm-hmm. I did when I was first sort of getting into it. I had that kind of bad, 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 bad kind of like mm. kind of fast MC chatting style with my raps. And uh, on Little Sims's latest project, she's got a little bit of a drum and bass influence yeah. on there as well. Uh, and I'm um, and I'll just love to see that kind of thing. man. You know, I was just listening to Little Sims thing just beforehand. And like, you know what? The truth of the matter is that kind of flow that I picked up from writing on jungle beats and then drum and bass tempos has kind of lived with me throughout my whole um, throughout my whole rap career. So most people that listen to me, nine times out of ten, people will comment on my flow and they'll be like, "Yo, I love that like kind of triplets thing you do." Or my style is very staccato. I, I kind of feel like my vocal is almost like a drum. It's like an additional drum. So if you even if you took the words out and you just played the rhythm of what I'm saying, it will sound like another drum on top of the beat. I kind of try and keep very much in sync with the rhythms. And I think that comes from developing my spitting over jungle. Over jungle, you know what I'm saying? And I, I, kind, of, I kind of always, like, some of my tricks for getting into, like, as a hip-hop artist, initially... I, my first like hip hop lyrics, I was writing over garage beats. No, I actually swapped that round. My first garage lyrics, when I got into garage, I started writing them on hip hop beats because it would like, it would give me, I don't know, it just did this crazy warp thing with the flow when I doubled them up. So it was a real clever thing. And naturally what happened from that point was like, okay, so now using hip hop instrumentals to write garage, why don't I just write hip hop lyrics over the hip hop instrumentals? Why don't I give it a go? Nice. You know? You've been um you've been doing a lot of writing during the lockdown. Like what you've been up to during this these times? Well, do you know what? Funny you say that last night I kind of dusted off the rusts and the cobwebs of my pen and pad, because I still quite um antiquated in my methods. A lot of people write with their um mobile phones and all that now isn't it? and type directly into the laptop so some people record straight i'm still a pen and pad guy you feel me so i just kind of wiped the dust and cobwebs off my notepad and started um, writing some bars last night and i was quite i was quite pleased with what i got i might even shoot it off on the gram in a bit but um yeah do you want to give us a quick couple of bars Oh, do you know what At the risk- <laughs> don't don't put him under pressure like that man. Yeah. do you know the ones where with me, I have to recite my things a couple of times before I can deliver them thoroughly. Mm. So I'll probably only make myself look bad. But, um, you know, 
You'll, you'll, you'll find out. You'll find out. Stay tuned. We'll catch that on the ground. We'll catch that on the ground still. You'll catch that. Um, I think that, aside from that, man, just a lot of, like, a lot of um, films, man. Marvel, I decided I'm going to do this Marvel thing because, you know, I hang with Nova a lot and Nova's big on the Marvel films. Is that Nova? Nova, Awate, Big Ben, they're kind of my staple music guys that I chill with. And... Um, yeah, they're always talking about what's your top three Marvel, what's this, that. And I've seen them in bits and bobs, gone to the cinema and catch one here, one there, but never really in the right order. I can never really tell quite what's going on with the films. So, um, yeah, I just said to my wifey, like, look, we're going to be in. We're in it for the long haul. Let's get this Disney Plus thing and let's just rock through. Let's just rock through from the start to the end. And how far? How far you been on doing? How far you on the mission? I've done it. Mission. Oh, you done it. Mission complete, man. God knows yeah. how many films. There's twenty odd films. Like uh, mission complete. Um, and the funny thing is, like, I miss it because it gave us routine. It actually kept me sane, knowing that part of the routine was uh, the evening we're gonna flick on one of their Marvel films. And you know, now I miss that. There's a massive void in my life, but um. Some of them were trash and some of them I absolutely loved, man. But that was what got me through most of Um, I was saying this, um, Captain America 2. Uh, yes. Not, 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 um, not Civil War, Winter Soldier. That's Winter my number Soldier. one. But so, a movie. Yeah, because it's just, I'll tell you why, it's just before it gets too crazy and space alien and mad. And it's, um, and it's, I feel like it's in that perfect pocket of like, it feels like a Jason Bourne, like a Bourne identity. Yeah, but yeah. in the Marvel world, kind of got this espionage spy vibe about it. And I just loved it. So that was my favourite. My second favourite was Infinity War, which was just, like, crazy, like, you know. Wifey was crying to the, at the end of that one. And, um, and then my third, just because of more than just the film itself, but because of the whole experience and me remembering going to the cinema to it, and that was Black Panther, just because, you know, what it represented to the black community... Um, all the layers of narrative that's going on and like it's the one time when I've gone into a cinema and people are screaming and shouting in the cinema like they're at a football match <laughs> and like that's okay that's cool we can do that uh, and, and me Awate Big Ben we all went together and we had like our African garments on and everything it go was, on go like, on yeah we went hard like we went hard we had the garments on and everything like we looked like we were going fancy dress on it man <laughs> so yeah that for that reason alone that that's why that one's in my top three man yeah and i loved it cal would you agree what's your free cal i was just gonna say to, to kimpa you're from um talking about getting in your african garments you're from gambia is that right yeah man yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're definitely, million, like, definitely uh, West African brothers there, man. My parents yeah. come from Ghana. Yeah, yeah, I've been Ghana. been Ghana, bro. I've been to um, Accra and very briefly passed through Kamazi. I stayed in, I stayed in Ghana around 96 um, for about three months, man. So I really have stayed in Ghana. I was eating with my hands yeah, by that point. Yeah, you know, I was fully immersed in the car. I was chopping up. Um, chopping up sugarcane with a machete, like yeah. I was, I was you, and I was just handling this machete, chopping up sugarcane. If you ask me to do that now, I'd be nervous, man. I'd be worried about cutting off my hands. But back then, I was just like wielding that thing like it was natural. So yeah, yeah, I really got into. Um, that was my first trip to Africa. Um, was Ghana, but more recently I went Gambia, which is the smallest country in Africa, man. Believe it or not. 
it is. It's, it's tiny, but it's kind of like surrounded by Senegal, isn't it? So people kind of call it Senegambia, the region sometimes. Exactly. It used to be called that and it was politically divided. So um, the French kind of took Senegal and the British took Gambia. And um, it's one of the places where actually, you know, the, during the transatlantic slave trade, which, you know, was mass migration of the black community into America, um, into the northern quadrant of America. So before Brazil and all the, you know, Colombia and all that migration, um, after that, sorry, migration, but the big transatlantic one where people got moved into the deep south and stuff like that, um, the gate of where them ships would pass through was from Gambia. So it's, it's kind of terrible to know that at the same time. But um, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of crazy to know. And I, and I always look at it and I think like, you got all these like amazing musicians from the deep south, like you know, like Louis Armstrong, like trumpet players and stuff like that, jazz musicians, etc. And I always wonder, I wonder how many of them are actually Gambian and just got extract, but they don't know their own history as well because children got took so young, they don't even know what their own heritage. You feel me? So it's crazy, man. It's crazy, but um, I'm very proud to be from from there. Yeah, for sure. Represent wicked. Yeah, 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 man. I went there for the first time like a couple years back. Nova come with me actually. Nova, me, and a guy called Ollie from Section Red. They film oh, a lot of videos. That where you, you shot? Um, which video right. was it? Yeah, yeah. I shot right away. Yeah, I shot right that away. there. Yeah. And um, yo, man, we just had the maddest time. It was crazy. Eating the food, the party life. The culture is something that will live with me forever. I'm meeting my family out there, you know, and I was lucky that I had two close friends with me to experience the journey. It was, it was crazy, man. I love it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing about it, and I'm looking forward to going there again. Nova's always asking me, he's like, yo, when we going again, man? When we going to do that again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the video was sick, man. That must have been an amazing experience to go out there and experience the culture and then to have, to have like a memento like that that will just last forever as well. And you know what the maddest thing is? I got in my feeling, I ain't really talked about this before, but I got in my feelings about music at one point. And stupidly, I pulled the video down. Oh. Yeah, right, exactly. Wow. Like an idiot, like a self-destructive idiot. But, you know, any, any artist that's really been involved with this thing, sometimes it happens, man. You get what, um, what Jen referred to as release anxiety and stuff like that. You pair your heart and soul into the music you do, and then, for whatever reason, you can get into your feelings about stuff. And, um, yeah, man, I, I pulled that video down. So, actually, I made a promise to myself very recently that I'm going to put that video back out there. Because I'm just sitting on it, and it's a great video, and it's a great song, and it's like and, and a great memento, like you said, to my whole experience in Gambia. So, I, I've made a promise to myself to put that back out there. So, yeah, look out for that because I'm going to upload that. It barely, it was barely online for any length of time, like about a week, and then I pulled it down. Wow, I'm glad I saw Keep it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep your eyes peeled. you got new material at the moment with uh, Nova and Genesis Elijah, didn't you, at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was like, um, it's an EP, just a small EP called Nothing To Say. And, um, yeah, man, it was like, it's a new sound for me. You get me? I'm definitely... I stay in that pocket as a traditional, like, boom-bap rapper. Like, my sound is traditionally a homage to that kind of 90s nostalgic vibe, you know? But, um, you know, I had, a, I had a time to, like, 
I just remember at the time, I was like, you know what? I like some of these beats, man. Like, I just want to have, I want to have a go. And actually listening to Nova, he gave me early exposure to his project, Damaged, like mm-hmm. before he put it out. And I was like, bro, I love this because I associate you with a completely different sound and you've done something different and I, and I rate you for that. You know, I was feeding back to him and it kind of inspired me and motiva- motivated me to go, you know what? Let's push the envelope. Let's do something a little bit different. You know, I don't have to stay in any lane. You know, if once you start doing things because you're like, this is what my fans will like, or this is what will be accepted. You're kind of restricting and, and putting limitations on yourself as an artist. So I was like, nah, do you know what? I'm enjoying some of this new stuff that's out. I wonder what I would sound like if I did that. And knowing that my background was always spitting on different tempos, like 140 and, That's you know, I was gonna say. why not? I can do this. Like, let yeah, me show yeah. you that I can do this. So I recorded this stuff and it's all kind of like, you know, 808 bass heavy kind of material um, and at a different tempo. And um, I gave it to Kimo, who mixes all my stuff down. Yeah. Shout yeah. Shout out Kimo. He, he, he really kills it, man. He can take your song to a whole nother level. He presses that button where he could make, you know, he could make me sound like Pavarotti if I wanted to, yeah? <laughs> I thought it sounded like a chemo beat on your first album when I was listening to it. I, I went back to uh, the initiative earlier. Did, mm. did, he, did he produce some of the tracks on that? No, but um, did he mix any? No. Chemo wasn't involved with the first album, but the second album, he did. Two, oh, two, oh, of, the beat, two of the beats on the second album are chemo productions, and he mixed and EQ'd uh, the second album, Art of Survival. And I was introduced to him through, um, through Manage and working with Caxton Press. And, and once I'd worked with him and I saw the calibre of his production and, and the way he went about doing things, I was like, yo, when I put out my next solo projects, I want him involved. So, he, you know, he's out in Bangkok, man. Like, he's way out there now. I used to go to his studio in South London. Now going to his studio is a myth. But, you know, in this digital... <laughs> yeah. I, I, maybe one day I'll be like, yo, Kimo, any chance I can hit your studio up in Bangkok? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's the lockdown. Go I'm see sure the video out there, man. For one of his <laughs> albums, to be fair. Um, I think he went out there and named the album after the hotel that he was in or whatever. But um, I want to... Um, I will always keep that remote um, relationship with him and just be like, yo bless up the work because he he puts the wax he, he puts it's like a car the way i say it is if you're trying to sell this car and you ain't cleaned it waxed it buffered it up then yeah okay it's gonna look so good but once chemo's touched it up mm. boy it looks like it's fresh out the showroom and ready to be sold as good as brand new so he really blesses it man nice 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 uh, hopefully after the lockdown after sort of Everything lifts. We get a, you get a holiday out there, or you can go, you know, go to these places you've been talking about, man. So exactly, def- definitely go check out the uh, check out the project streaming on on all platforms, and we support that. We put it up on our Insta as well, so so go check that out, man. Thank really you. liking that. And where, where you said as well, like you was on Jungle Garage. You're you're a real mic man by the sounds of it, and and if you're a real mic man, you can jump on any tempo like a tempo specialist. So just listening to you on this project, it, it, it was an easy fit and it, it sounded proper, man. You was clear, you was riding it and you had a good positive message as well, which I liked as well. You weren't just saying, for people listening, it wasn't just any BS. So you was actually saying, what what are you talking about? People out there, just be careful of what you're promoting, what you're putting out in the world because I think that's important to have a message as well in this, this, this day and age as well. Yeah, yeah. I think like, look, man, bless every new artist doing their thing and that, but I feel like We've kind of got into this... I work with young people, 
I've been working with young people um, like through workshops and facilitating, you know, kind of studio sessions, etc. And um, it's like I probably made this mistake as well coming up as a, as a as a young aspiring artist. But I feel like we all do. We feel like we need to fit into a certain niche in order to be accepted or in order to be considered cool. So it's like even if I'm not really about a certain life. I'm still going to project it like I am because that's what makes me look cool. Mm -hmm. So the amount of times I hear a young guy talking about the whips he's pushing when he hasn't even got a driving license and wouldn't know what to do with a car or, or certain youths that are like, yo, I got this girl and that girl. But then you put him, you put a girl in the room and he, he doesn't even know where to look, let alone how to drop any kind of, kind of all his swag goes out the window. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, look, just just be true to yourself. But I think a lot of artists and aspiring artists, they fall into this pocket of like, okay, this is successful. I need to look cool. I need to be the popular guy. I need to be doing all the things that people aspire to. So I'll talk about, you know, I'll talk about that same kind of g generic, I'll talk about that generic lane of like wealth, materialism, chauvinism, all of those things, you know? And we talk yes, about that yes. phrase, fake it until you make it. Oh, yes. is, that, is that something that works for people? Is that something maybe that could work for you? I think sometimes, you know, to be honest, that's like, you know, we heard of The Secret and that kind of manifestations yeah. thing. Very, you know, very popular book, you know, and people do that. And I guess if you keep putting something out there and spelling it out there, then ultimately it can manifest if you believe it enough. But, you know... It's, it's a lot to do with where your values are at. Like, it's like, what is important to you? Is driving a Ferrari important to you? Or is um, making an impact on people's, uh, having a positive impact on people's life? You know, what is important to you? And if, once you understand what your priority is, then I would say concentrate on projecting that out into the universe and hoping that manifests. And I think there's, there is far more to life. As I say in, in one of my songs on the EP, there's far more to life than driving a Bentley. That's the truth of the matter, man. You know, you get bored of a Bentley eventually. So what can you talk about when you listen back to the legacy of your music? Will you be proud of it? Will you think, wow, yeah, I was dropping some gems. Or will you think, yeah, I was talking about how many Bentleys I had. I think now, definitely with Corona, with COVID-19 and what's been going on, people are making more of what they're putting out and doing now. And you put things in perspective if you hadn't done already. So definitely big up for you for, for that with the message and also teaching people and, and being true to your craft and, and not just chatting chatting BS, man. Um, just just moving on then. So like with this lockdown, what do you think? How do you think that's going? Like, Cal, I'm going to speak to you, Cal, first and then sort of obviously Kingpin, but... Mm -hmm. With the lockdown, do you think everyone should be sort of going back to work immediately or do you think Boris needs to chill out a bit and keep keep an eye on everything? Well, hey, I don't know, man. I think um, I saw a post from Theme recently, another uh, UK rapper, shout out to Theme, and he was kind of mocking the whole, the whole idea that certain people are going to have to go back to work already, even though we're still kind of in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, I mean, I do think it's a bit too early. If you actually see all of the statistics, uh, you can go onto the Office of National Statistics website and you can see what the death toll is looking like. Like, really, if it was non-essential, I don't think somebody should have to go to work. And 
uh, theme was like working in property, you know, as like an estate agent or something in that kind of field, which I think is non-essential work. And people like that are having to go out, man. And I think it's, I mean, from the perspective of key workers, you know, you guys have been working like Ben yourself as a teacher and then, you know, nurses, you guys have been working all throughout this time. And obviously everybody in the nation has to kind of bow down to you guys and be like, you guys are the heroes and you've been, you know, like bus drivers and stuff like that, like train drivers, people that are helping us to, to get to where we need to go, helping us to do what we need to do, delivery guys. Like, what would we do without you lot, you know? We need people to actually be out there. But then there's some people that don't need to be out there. And I feel mm. like what the government has kind of done is put them at unnecessary risk. That's just my point on it. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, what's your views on that, Kingpin? Um, it's like, it's become like money over people's lives, isn't it, man? Uh, I think there are some roles that are critical, but then ultimately I ain't going in until I am sure and I feel comfortable that I can step on a tube without catching some Corona, then I'm not about it. And, um, I'm lucky, like I work for a private institution, um, it's a music academy um, point blank. Um, and we, we teach a lot of stuff like, um, sound engineering, music production. Um, amazing. And we've got some, some seriously talented people on board, people that have had massive success in the music industry, chart hits, everything. Um, and I'm blessed, but, um, the director of point blank was just straight with me. It was like before Boris announced shutdown, it was like, nah, we're not coming in. This is a bit mad. I'm not putting my I'm not putting my team at risk. So boom, I've been I've been doing my thing from home for a minute now, and I'm glad. And we've we've converted everything to online, and that's working, and it's working nicely. And it's um, so for me, I feel like that's the right stance. Even if you look at Apple, they were rapid, like to to say nah. They closed their shops way before there was any kind of forcing of the issue. And in fact, if the government reacted early, maybe things wouldn't have escalated to the, to the current climate. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm you know, health, health over wealth. Um, I'm not putting myself at jeopardy to, um, for the income. And, and it, you know, I just feel like he's, he's forcing the issue right now. People still dying. People still contracting and, and, and picking up this virus. We need to wait until the dust settles because I know people that have caught it, you know what I mean, and passed as a result of it. Um, I know people that have had a narrow escape. And um, it's real. This shit is real, man. So it's all good for you guys in your ivory towers living that good life to send people that are public-facing out there. But... Nah, man, we have to look after the people, man. And I just don't think it's right putting people out there right now. 100%, 100%. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you both on that one, man. When, when it's ready, when it's safe, um, you know, obviously schools need to be open at some point for the children to go to, and, and you know, but when it's safe and we can't put everyone at risk and, you know, a bit disappointed with what the government is saying. And if you can't, if you can't, uh, if you can go to work, drive. But what if you can't drive? What if you can pay for parking? You can't pay for parking. Congestion mm. charges going up. It's um. Oh, that's a mad one. That's going to be like fifteen pound a day now, isn't it? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So obviously, and obviously, R.I.P. There's people listening. If you have lost anyone, uh, for whatever reason, you know, beer up and ban our thoughts and prayers go out to you. R.I.P. Uh, Ty, 
which we spoke about on the football podcasts and other people that have, that have passed. But um, yeah, everyone just stay safe and just stay strong, man. And I don't like this new stay alert. That's a bit anything. But just stay safe and just, I don't know, man. Just this. What is that even? What, bro, what, just, what is that, man? Stay alert for what? <laughs> I've been alert, man. I've been alert. That's it. Every time I step on the road before coronavirus, if you live in London and you live from where I am in, you stay alert, man. I can't have no one run up in my personal space anyway from before all of this. So, you know, I stay with my bloody street radar on from day dot one. I don't know what stay alert is supposed to mean, man. But I can't can't lie to you. A little bit of me. I'm even more antisocial than I was. So I feel kind of bad because... As I've said before, I get angry when I see people playing football and that. You know, I'm like, I want to play in the park and that. Yeah, that would be great. But, you know, especially like, it's a bit mad because, you know, the black people, black community and Asians, minority ethnicities, we're picking it up at a mad rate. So it's like, you know, this is particularly pertains to my community. And it's like, you lot are out here taking the mick, playing an 11-a-side football game, slide tackling and jumping and rubbing your sweat all over each other. Like, come on, man. Do me a favour. Especially, like, Ty was, Ty was, to me, was like, um, was I had a personal relationship with him. So it hurt. It hurt. It hurt, boy. I cried about that one. And I probably still will from time to time. And the photos trigger me, you know what I'm saying? So it's like... It just frustrates me when I hear the conspiracy theorists like, oh, it's this, it's not, it's not that deep, they're making it up, blah, blah, blah. Or people just blatantly flouting the rules, man. We need to work as a community right now to stop spreading it, you know what I mean? That's how I feel about it anyway, man. No, 100%, man. Yeah, respect, man, respect. Um, just wanted to touch on, on a, my personal connection with yourself, um, Kingpin. You're obviously someone I've known from just being around in the scene from back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Back at like like always, you, you were always that guy that was like hosting open mics and, and right. performing at live shows and just getting them bars in, you know. Mm. Um, and um, I remember doing some work with uh, Shay D back in the day mm-hmm. and some other people, photography and video stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then you kind of started going out with Shay D, and it was yeah. kind of interesting for me that. I kind of knew CD quite well, but I didn't really know you that well. And you were just, you were just like someone like, I would be like, hey, yo, what's going on, bro? Like, cause you know, man, and you're young, man. And then I booked you last time I saw you. Um, I was literally like on a date. I was like literally taking a, a girl out. Um, we went to a concert. I think it was a uh, Talib Kweli and Mo Steph live oh. at, at the Troxy. Nice date. And yeah, yeah, cool, well, yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> you know, you I were trying try. to present yourself as that conscious guy, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm not wearing a koofy. <laughs> I'm gonna take a Rick Ross. Let me look as woke as I can. Let's go with um Tanquali and Mostef. That's a good balance. You know what I mean? You gotta let her know like it's it's not about these guys that I've got nothing to say, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. so, so I'm like, yeah, let's go see uh Tanquali and Mostef. Obviously, show was amazing. But the interesting part was when I was queuing up, not the most interesting part, but an interesting part of why I'm telling this story is when I was queuing up, I just bucked into Kingpin and I was like, yo, what are you saying, bro? What are you doing out here? And he was like, yeah, this is my promotion. I was like, what? Mm. So uh, thought, well, yeah, no, I think it was at the time it was Soundcrash and they were, they were shareholders in my business. So we were very, I was very involved and we had people in there handing out, we had people inside the venue handing out the flyers, outside the venue handing out the flyers. I was very much involved with the promo campaign, 
um, the booking, everything. I think um, Awate was on the support act for that. That that was down to me as well. Like so, yeah, I had my hands in that pie, very very deeply in that pie, and was um, was very fortunate enough as actually having Soundcrash as shareholders in my company and being in that office and seeing how they run things. Because um, now they're part of Live Nation, actually. But it was like, boy, what a learning process, man. I nicked every spreadsheet, every database, every bit of information. <laughs> I extracted, I soaked it up like a sponge and tried to utilize all of that experience within any kind of business venture, promotion, whatever, marketing that I'm doing. Yeah, man, I use that. I use all of those experiences. They were very, very important to me. Yeah. Yeah, so, from that, I've, I've realized that, yeah, you're very much a businessman. I think it's uh, Underworld Connect, is it, is one of your yeah, businesses? Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. And that was, you know what, like, real talk, man. I'm I'm very happy about it. Like, so my, the, the business. Yeah, how would you describe it? What, okay. what, what exactly is Underground Connect? Okay. Let me just, I feel like this story could be quite inspirational for a lot of people, like, um, at the time, I was unemployed and I could have gone on benefits, right? But there was a new enterprise allowance, which said, like, we'll give you a grand, but you have to start a business with it. And then you check in with us. This is a government thing. So I took the grand and I used the grand to build a website, which right now my website's in a bit of a mess, to be honest. But, you know, I've got relationships and business relationships. Where I'm not even worried about that. But um I used the ground to build a website and then I just put it out there like, yo, you need your flyers? I'll do it. And nothing really took off that much. I got one or two clients. I was doing a little bit. I was just basically out there flyering and it was really exhausting out at all hours of the night doing it, but nothing really took off. And then I found myself in the doldrums again and I watched the, the breakfast club with um, Dame Dash the one where he's the most ignorant asshole you'll ever witness, yeah? But the truth of that was I was inspired because I'm sitting down at the time in my family home and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to search for a job or something. Or, And he was saying, I can't call no one bus. I can't call no one my bus. And you know what I thought? I thought, i got to try something different. I'm going to try something different. So I picked up my album, which at the time was Art of Survival. I had a few boxes and I hit the strip in Camden. Yeah. And I was like, oh, the man them in Camden. Yeah, I was in the dirt. I went there at 11 a.m. And there's Terra Slim, Genesis' brother. There's some next guys I don't even know. Every man just fighting over this territory. It's a jungle. It's a jungle out there. And you're in Camden. I stayed there from 11 till 3 o'clock. I made a one-up. I was like, raw. I'm going to try that again tomorrow. Did it again. Then I was doing it basically five days a week. Yeah. From 11 till three, maybe four sometimes. Sometimes I make a one-up. Sometimes I make 80. Sometimes I make 150. Cash. I take the cash across the street to the NatWest, slap it in there. All in the meantime, my business is in the background, but I'm not doing nothing with it. But I'm just making these savings. And I remember the guys in the bank were like, what are you doing? Because every day I'm depositing a one-up. Bang, bang. And they're thinking, 
And then I saw all the guys on the strip as well, and they were like, yo, you're really good at selling. I was good at getting rid of my product. And um, I said to them, watch, I'm going to put on an event with my money. That's my aim. I'm going to put on a sick event. Um, I was with Shay at this time as well. And um, anyway, I stacked my peas, and then I put on Artifacts, Ed OG, and Rex at the Jazz Cafe using that money. Like what time of frame, just for our listeners, like sort of 2016 or something? Okay. Uh, yeah, 2016. Yeah. And I sold out the Jazz Cafe. I sold it out. You know, I doubled my money. Yeah. So I saved a big fee, a big enough fee to book these guys, booked them, brought them over on the from Boston, <laughs> slapped them on at the Jazz Cafe. Jazz Cafe, who's this guy trying a thing? Boom. Sold it out. Lovely jovely, double my bucks. And that was the beginning of like taking my business to another. And when people, the way I pushed that event, like, listen, I went, I remember at the time, um, Pete Rock and CL Smooth were touring the UK. I followed them everywhere. I went down to Brighton in the car and flyered everyone in the Brighton venue for a London gig, you know, saying, come, come to, come to this. This is going to be the, the fire. I mean, I put every effort. And through that effort, other events companies started to see. They were like, yo, who is this guy? He's at every event with the flyers. Hungry, hungry, hungry. So all of a sudden, every man was like coming at me to give them flyers. Academy Music Group, Soundcrash, all these big events companies were like, yo, will you do it? And rather than me just be a freelancer, I was like, nah, here's my invoice. We do it through my business. I got so many flyers to hand out per venue I couldn't just hand them out like one by one. It was a mess. I had to make a pack to put yeah. them in a pack. And so that began the flyer packs, which I was handing out. And so then we ended up with these flyer packs. And then before I knew it, I'm like, I need to be at so many venues. I can't do this on my J's. So I start recruiting people and telling them to invoice me. And then my street team built to the point where I had like 16 to 18 people on the roster hitting up different venues all over the UK and I'm sending schedules to all these events companies saying we can do this, we can do that and doom, it just kept coming in, it kept coming in, it kept coming in and that was the beginning of the growth of, of my business and me building a lot of connections with the events world and it's why a lot of times I get some, some of the greatest support slots that are going in the UK because the events company know me so it's like, yo, Kingpin, you rap as well, right? You might as well do this slot you feel me? So, yeah, I built up a strong network. And, and it all started with basically deciding to take a positive action and sell my CD on the strip. And now I roll past, I've rolled past um, the guys in Camden in the white one. Yeah. And they're like, yo, Kingpin. I'm like, yes, boys. I told you. I'm going to keep it moving. I'm not going to be on this strip forever. And I just vroom, vroom, skirt. You know, and they know, like, I, I went about my business and, and, and did it. I had a vision and put the grind in, and it worked for me. And ever since, the trajectory has been an upward thing, man. So it was a, it was a real... But that, that Dame Dash Breakfast Club, that was a moment for me. So that's where you got to envy about being a boss and... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Envy yeah. took offence, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's positive, man. That's positive. That's positive. Oh, I'm inspired already. Shit. <laughs> yeah, but coronavirus licked me for the business because obviously events have stopped, yeah. social distancing's in. So it's really, it really impacted. But me and Nova, man, we, 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 we work our way around making things. It's firing. 
So for someone who don't really go out too, like myself too much, I know Cal goes out a little bit more than me to like live events, but is flyering still a thing? And like, be, like I, know the, I know the street team is, but, but is it more digital now and sort of social media? Ah, of course it is. And I said to Nova, like, we're sitting here, I'm like, yo, to be honest, the method that we're doing is too antiquated and we need to figure it out. We still make, mo- we make money through mailers as well. So we do digital mailers for people, which, you know, is, is, the, is the easy money. You know, you give us a bit of money, we click a button, bam, and send it to our mailing list. That's fine. But ultimately... Um, this is making us revise the whole business strategy. But yes, flyering is still relevant. I I, I use it like this. It's like a notification directly to your phone, but you know exactly who your audience is. Because let's be honest, if if I go to a Talib Kweli gig with a Mostef flyer, I can guarantee you all 5,000 people leaving that Talib Kweli gig will be interested in the most deaf show. Whereas when you do a sponsored post or some sort of digital campaign, yeah. it's a little bit like pissing in the wind sometimes, to be honest. You're not guaranteed that there's going to be a 100% conversion. So if you're really smart, as some of these event companies are, they know I want someone at that event because I know everyone in that event will be interested in the event that I'm running. You feel me? Charles oh, audience, oh, oh. man, right there. That's it, that's it. Speaking of live events, you got something uh, tonight, right? You're streaming with um, Hip Hop Chip Shop, is it? or chip shop, The Chip Shop Show on Rap Station Radio. Yeah, yeah, that's broadcasting tonight at 1am in UK and I think it's, it's, it's a New York-based station, so it's happening at 8 o'clock in, uh, in, in New York and then tomorrow they, they play the pre-record, they flip it so that it's 8pm. In the nice, UK, nice. Nice. well, this 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 will drop Monday, but but people can probably go back and check that out if they just check your check check your socials and, and yeah check yeah I'll leave links to that yeah so they can check that love, out love love All right, man you get well speaking of sort of going from your sort of no you know the attitude of I won't give up I won't lose let's talk about the last dance let's talk about MJ not giving up this are you up to date Cal you've been watching it Kingpin you've been watching it I know Kingpin you're a baller so yeah watching it. Yeah, you know, I've been watching it. I, I did put up a little poster with some bands about it. And um, I was a Chicago Bulls fan growing up. I wasn't an like, actual baller like you guys. I know you lot were proper into like playing basketball. Um, I just had like a little couple of games for the school team from here, here or there. Um, a funny story. I actually broke my leg in the tryouts for my college basketball team. Oh, and wow. that was... That was the end of my basketball experience. <laughs> Cal, Cal, I don't remember... Because me and Cal went to school together, yeah, but our basketball team, man, it had, like, the most... I was on it as well, like, the most... Apart, I wasn't athletic, but the most athletic guys, but there was no way we could get together some cohesion to get a win, and it was just so, like, bitty and broken up and chaotic. And at the end of the game, all the goons used to trouble all the other schools and stuff, and it's just a nightmare. I was thinking, thank God I'm on your man's team, but we we didn't win a game for so long, but... We had sick players, though. Bro, we had sick players, but um, the, yeah. So the, the the Jordan documentary, just just not giving up. And Kingbo, I used to play a bit of ball as well. So yeah. So Jordan's my guy, man. Absolutely, an absolute inspiration to me. Um, and through that era, it's like you know, my my mum was a, a centre at Brixton. Uh, she played centre for Brixton Topcats. So all the way through the eighties, my mum was watching tape. You know. And she was training, like, savage training levels. I would see that as a kid, like, her skipping. It was just mental, man. So, obviously, you know, I was exposed to that from a young age. 
And um, my mum actually has a signed. This is this is the levels. My mum has a signed Jordan poster, signed by Michael Jordan, and it's his first Air Force um, Nike Air Jordan um, poster. You know where he's in that splits position. Yeah, yeah. Iconic logo that is now on the trainers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the poster that they ended up making that logo from. So I, I, I tell you, sometimes when I go and visit my mum, I feel like rubbing it off the wall because I'm like, that must be worth peace. Just touch but, it for um, good luck. Uh, Rub the poster for good luck. Yeah. But so, so obviously those guys were icons to me. Mm. And, um, and like, they are very dedicated. Like if, what you can see from the last dance as well is like, they were like some dedicated athletes man and and i've always said if you can translate that attitude throughout any discipline then you're gonna do you know if you persevere and are dedicated and, and, and that pursuit of superiority and you've got it installed in you no matter what discipline you're in if you bring that attitude to it you're gonna do something man yeah, you're yeah. gonna bring something to the table you know and um i love the last dance to be honest I c- i'm gonna re-watch it i think so re-watch. yeah this is this this is something that's gonna like it's it's gonna go down in history and keep watching it and where sort of you and I and other people would have watched the old videos back in the day because Jordan used to have the videos of footage interviews and then a scenario where he'd get a kid who was maybe he didn't make the team and he'd have to he'd keep trying all summer till he made the team or did you see the one with the the bullies from Kid and Play House Party the free the... no I haven't seen that one but I have seen Come Fly with Me and I have seen Airtime. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my these, face, that's going to be like a modern version of these where all those videos had, like I said, footage and interviews and, and but they'd have a moral and like, don't give up. Mm. Um, there's always going to be someone bigger and better than you, but you, you, you to try your best or, you know, you can be the best. So um, it's, it's definitely been good. And it's helped people now sort of who weren't aware of the Bulls dynasty, like the, the, the stuff behind the scenes, like the... Uh, the triangle offense, which I'm fascinated with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still don't understand that. And 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 I've been watching it for years because Phil Jackson used that with Kobe, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even throughout the years, he used it. But, you know, the thing, I, it's hard to not watch that and not want to, like, go, right, I need to do something. Like, I started writing bars as soon as I watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, nah, nah, man. I'm not having this. I'm the best. I'm a goat. I'm a legend. <laughs> <laughs> you feel me? Like, it's hard to not walk away from it and watch that or or to question, am I doing enough? Am I trying hard enough? It makes that's you it. feel that way, man. That's it. That's it. I started trying to make beats as well. So I've been like turning <laughs> this uh, this coronavirus lockdown. I started to make t- two, two beats on the old uh, FL studio and all that. So yeah, yeah. You got my, you got my email, bro. Send them. No, my, no, you don't <laughs> want my beats. Don't <laughs> send them over, fam. No, mate, not yet. Not yet. Give me, okay. give me, a, give me a while, man. Give me a while. Cool. But, um, cool. No, I'm liking yeah. it. I'm liking it. Absolutely loving it. I'm very skeptical, man. I, I hold things from my childhood like really preciously. Like mm. I was a big Transformers fan. I will mm-hmm. not watch the. I will not watch the movies. Really? Of course not. How wait, are you going to do Optimus Prime? The... Like that? that don't look like that. Wait, don't wait, look wait, like wait. Optimus Prime that I know. Wait, 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 wait. Did you, not, did you not watch the animated movie though? Back in yeah. the day. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, Albedron. Yeah, that's the truth, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. Come on. That's all. That's up there in my all-time movies. Anything, any genre. That was amazing. Oh, we, we kind of lost your mic a little bit there, Kingpin. 
that's up there in my all-time movies of any genre of anything. I love that man. I've watched that. There's no, there's no, there's nothing that I've watched more than that. You know what I mean? Transformers was my childhood. Do you, you remember GoBots? Get out of here with that. <laughs> Get out of here with that copycat imitation stuff. Oh, man, GoBots was weighty. Oh, no, 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 no. No, it weren't Transformers levels, but it, 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 was, it, was, it was all right. It was all right. <laughs> well, I thought it was a bootleg Transformers. Like, it was bootleg. It was bootleg Transformers. It was, I think well. it was before Transformers, weren't it? I don't know. Do you know Do you know who's been killing it on the cartoons? If you follow Skillet, yeah, big up Skillet. We had him on the show, but he's been on his Twitter. On his Twitter, he's been posting videos of um, loads of classic cartoons in the 80s. Uh, and just you know, just absolutely smashing it. So yeah, I got to shout him out. But yeah, Transformers, right? You're taking it back, man. It's some yes, no, so what the reason I brought them up is, like I said, I'm very precious about things that are from my childhood. So yeah. the same, like with the Jordan stuff. Like Jordan's part of my coming up as a childhood. So when I saw the Last Dance, I got to admit the first two episodes, I was like, I'm still not sold. Mm. There's still there's still, you know, because I'm thinking of a whole new generation being in, in, introduced to Jordan. I'm thinking, nah, these lot don't know. And I, and I, I think LeBron is the goal. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, nah, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get this. But um, as I've watched it more and more, I'm like, nah, this is absolutely brilliant. And I'm so glad there's this many hours worth of footage to to dedicate to someone who is like yeah this, a jordan stan yeah we're all jordan stands but there was loads of extra stuff that you thought wow I, I didn't even know about that or hmm? i wasn't even aware about that but um no, I, watched... bit I, thought, I thought was dope sorry to cut you there bro sorry. but the, the bit where there was like a, a bit of a uh almost like a political business issue with jordan oh. wearing the um mm -hmm. wearing the logo on on the on the jersey so he had to kind of try and cover it up because he didn't want to wear Reebok, obviously, because he's associated with Nike. Um, so he ended up putting the American flag over the logo. And I thought that was dope because if you didn't know what was going on, he would just look like the biggest American patriot. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But at the yeah. same time, it's so, business. The other, thing that I found the other thing I found massively fascinating about it was, um, you know, at the time when they had the the potential for a black person to go into into government at some in some position, one of the states in America, and um, he wouldn't back them up because I think he was afraid of losing some of his Republican fan base, basically, and losing trainer sales, man, losing sales of his Jordans. So he just kind of kept quiet, and and he made well, he made a comment that said, "Yo." Republicans buy Jordans too, yeah, which yeah, I thought, yeah. rah, that is mad ruthless, you know, because here's the chance to put, um, here's someone, the chance to put a black person in power and in government, and you've got the opportunity to do that, and you've got such wrong, a fan yeah. base, and he didn't, he didn't get involved, and I think it brings a wider point about some artists that are afraid to really speak out because they don't want to compromise their their sales and stuff and I, I saw someone use that reference when they talked about drake because they were like yo drake's one of the goats of hip-hop or whatever and then they were like yeah but what has he ever said that has had an impact on society mm -hmm. and and like people were basically saying at the time like maybe he's fearful of upsetting a certain fan base or or losing sales at the risk of exposing his opinion on certain issues that really matter so I think as artists, if you've got a platform, you've got some key decisions to make. Like, am I going to be about it at the, com at, the, at the risk of losing a part of my fan base? 
or am I going to, um, you know, am I just going to be stay quiet and capitalize to the maximum capability, you know? Yeah, On that point, was... do you think he was wrong for that? Because, like, if you look at Colin Kaepernick, you know, mm-hmm. he's all good and well being a legend and coming out and being held in that kind of esteem of, like, a, uh, a Jesse Owens or a Muhammad Ali, like, athletes that kind of have transcended their sport and really represented their... done something iconic to represent the people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's going to be a whole torrent of abuse and a torrent of hate coming from a certain section of people. And maybe as a sportsman, maybe you're just there to play sport. Maybe you don't really want to get involved. Did you really think it's wrong for someone to to kind uh, of refuse way, that calling? Goes all the way back to what I was saying initially. It's like, it depends on what your, your priorities in life are. Are you trying to be... Are you trying to drive a Ferrari or are you trying to make an impact on society? You know, what, what, what's your agenda? And I think um, for me, what Ali did is iconic, man. It's iconic. Um, Jesse Owens with his fist in the air and that glove, man. It's iconic, you know? And um, maybe Jordan missed an opportunity there, but he did say that he invested into the guy's campaign but didn't want to be out there publicly. So, okay, I understand. And, and Jordan seems to be a very um, clever, intelligent businessman. So he's done what works for him money-wise. But, you know, how much is enough money? How much is, you know, there's a limitation. Like, I'm, I'm good. If I'm, if I'm comfortable, I live a comfortable la- lifestyle, I have a few material objects, then I'm cosy, you know? I think, like, it's almost... It's almost cool to say I'm willing to make a stand against something or put a put an opinion out there because all right, I lose a few sales, but I've made a hell of a lot of sales anyway, so I'm nice, you know. And I don't think most of us would know who Colin Kaepernick is if he didn't take if he didn't take a knee during this ceremony. You feel me? He's probably, he's probably increased his value, to be honest. Nike got right behind him. So it can work it can work both ways, man. I think it can still work to your advantage, but I think ultimately we leave this earth with the legacy we leave behind. And is it about how many Ferraris you had or what you did for this world? And I think what you did for me, what you did for this world is the is the thing that stands out, man. That's the one to me. Powerful words, man. Powerful words, man. Powerful <laughs> words, yeah. So looking forward to Monday night's uh, last few episodes of The Last Dance. And then definitely gonna go back and rewatch it and then uh blow off the dust on some of the old DVDs of, uh, of, of Jordan and other basketball things. He, I, I heard in the um, Genesis, because he used to play ball as well, but you did the converse three-on-three thing back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so did I, man. So did I. Uh, man, I've got... I, I, I don't know what... You got the t-shirt still? You got the t-shirts? Well, I got the trophy. What? I'm about. One sec. I'm looking for it now as we speak. Wow, man's, man's, pulling, man's got, pulling that silverware. Man's, man's got the silverware. I got to the finals twice. I never won it. Because we always how many years? How many years did it go on for? Because all I remember is two years. One year it rained intense. It was intense rain, and it was like, um, like early early mid nineties or so, mid nineties. Ninety three. I think you're talking about ninety three season, and that season was the year I got to a final. Nice. Um, and same same with the um, and the following year, I think ninety four, we got to a final as well. So your team must have been heavy. That didn't carry on after a while, did it? Because no, nah, it didn't. It didn't. And uh, Adidas kind of took the took the helm and did their street ball thing as well, which was which was cool, but you know not to the same degree. And um, 
Yeah, man. I was. I. I absolutely loved that. I loved the way it infused the music with the actual, um, with the culture, with the sport. Because hip hop yeah. and basketball are things that go hand in hand. We were saying. We were saying off off air, innit? So the importance of sort of the two and how they how, how they help come hand in hand and. And we never had the most physical team either. Like, if you looked at my team, you'd probably think we're going to beat them. But, man, my team was smart and we had the right mentality. So, yeah, I used to absolutely... Them three-on-three days, man, loved them, man. Cherished them. Cherished them. Yeah, we'll you, to, did, um, we'll you did them as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah, once the quarantine stops, we'll have to try and get a game at uh, Turnpike Lane or something, you know. Uh... Oh, it's common, yeah, Turnpike Lane. Yo, let me tell you something there, right? I hooked up for a scrimmage with Awate, right? And I could, I, 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 I could, and I use the word could, could dunk. So a while he was like, yo, can you dunk like? And I was like, <laughs> guys, I ain't playing for a minute, you know. What are you trying to do to me? So we, we went for our scrimmage and um, I thought, ah, I might as well try a thing. Oh, my God, the way I injured myself. No one could, it weren't like I dropped to the floor in a bad way, <laughs> but I jolted my knee in a way that has had me out of action since. Because, oh. unfortunately for me, my mind thinks that I am 19, but my body is reminding me that, no, bro, you are not <laughs> 19 anymore. You can't do that. You know what I'm saying? So, oh. it is... It, it, I tried the thing. So me and Awati were coming for a scrimmage, but I'll drag him along as well and we'll hook it up, man. We'll get a little rap, rap basketball session going That's on. That's it. Why Cal, not? Cal, Why not? Cal can play. No, I'm not, like I say, I'm not a baller, man. My, my basketball career ended as a teenager with an injury, just like yours ended with an injury. Um, and uh, I never got to a point where I was even good, man. I was just tall. You know when you're young and you're tall, everyone says you should play basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? So, That's the thing. yeah, that, that was it really, man. But, um, um, yeah, no, I love the game, man. I love the game. Um, I'll definitely be up for, you know, messing around. Um, and uh, maybe we can get a few other people. Maybe we can get a little beer up and banter team together. You can get an Underworld Connect team together. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, it's like that. You're laying down the gauntlet. Oh, <laughs> I'm not competitive. And then the other hand is like, yo, bring your, bring your goons. And, <laughs> and we do this thing. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm down, man. I'm fully, fully down. So Cal's talking all this, but he's not even going to play. He's going to watch in the crowd. <laughs> I was going to be up. filming it, bro. <laughs> Coach I'm like, come on, Ben, man. What are you doing, man? Shoot, man. Shoot the fuck, bro. <laughs> um, Coach Jackson, boy. That's it. That's it. Now, we can definitely get some people. I know the uh, We Think We Know Sports podcast. they got a couple ballers, so we can definitely get going. But at the minute, with this uh, lockdown, it's got me back into my love of basketball, like watching um, highlights of, like, Jason Williams or Jay Kidd or, like, Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, man, it's, we definitely get a run going. We definitely get a run going. And, and no, please, I, I just downloaded um, NBA 2K20. It's going, it's going for £2.50 at the moment, fam. I know. I bought it for a score and people bought it for £45. About um, like It was going for 45 <laughs> I bought it for a score thinking I've saved money and then I'm seeing it all for like 2 99 I'm thinking, what is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying for £2.50 I saw that come up on my timeline I was like I ain't missing out on that I'm yeah here. I retweeted that I retweeted it still <laughs> yeah so yeah, it's hard yeah. man it's hard listen gaming has been something that's key to me right now man it's helping me get through this man yeah talk on it because I know Cal's a big gamer as well so um, Streets of Rage 4 yo we bringing it back to the retro we I love the way they just didn't even try and 
try and make it complicated or try and make it some 3D thing. They just took it back. Me and the wife, he'd been two playering on, on Streets of Rage. Yeah. Just bashing the... Hey. Was the character like Axel and Hagar in them? Axe, Hagar's final fight, you know. Ah, oh, my bad. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, yeah no, nah, it is. It's like, it's man like Axel, Blaze. Blaze, the, the female character, female yeah. Character. Uh, my, hey, listen, my woman has nearly put a hole in the in the joypad from the way she <laughs> punch button. It's, it's insane. But um, luckily, it's damage resistant. So, yeah, I've been busting up a little bit of that. Um, she got me a steering wheel for my... Um, for my birthday. So I, I, I like to play F1, man. That's my thing, you know, F1. Hey, the driving yeah. thing. So, that's yeah, like a proper simulator with the steering. Have you got the pedals in that as well? Pedals, steering wheel, everything. Yeah, but when I do that, when I turn that on, that's I can't lie, I'm dedicating a day to it. It's like the mobile goes on silent. I actually rearranged the front room and everything because I need to put my chair in a certain space. I need to put my wheel in. It's a little bit of an ordeal. So I have to kind of book that day in with, with with the wife being saying like <laughs> today's an F1 day. And um I love what they've done during the corona. They actually a lot of the, the F1 drivers are doing virtual racing. So they're using the game with the wheels and that and they're continuing the season but digitally, which I think is cool. So yeah, yeah I, I play a bit of that. That gets me through a lot. Um yeah, so the NBA 2K20, I'm gonna I'm gonna brush up on that now. A little bit of Formula One, Streets of Rage. And I rinsed out Red Dead, man. Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm like on a mission to try and get 100% complete, which is just, it's never going to happen. You have to be insane to complete that game to its full degree. And those are my games that kind of get me through a crisis. I've always been a gamer, man. Always. That's sick, man. I think a lot of us would have played Streets of Rage back in the day. I saw the trailer for the new Streets of Rage 4, and it looks absolutely incredible. Like, they've polished it. It looks, it look, it looks like they've added, like, a bit more depth to like how technical you can get with the with the combos and stuff as well. Yes and no. Yes and no. They I feel like they made it look polished, but they kept it simple is the mm. reality of it. And that's that's part of the charm of it, man. You know, it, it comes from an era where your joypad probably only had three buttons. Yeah. So, you know, it don't matter who you are. You you could be a non a non like intense gamer and get involved. Or if you are intense you can fiddle out, figure out a couple of ways of taking it to the to the eleventh degree, you know, which is what I'm like. I have to get on hard and I have to get rank A on every level, and I <laughs> super I competitive. I'm, I'm, yeah, perfectionist with it. But other than that, you can just jump on and just button bash the the punch button, and you're good. Yeah, Red Dead, Red Dead's a deep game as well. Um, that's the uh, that's the cowboy game, Ben. So like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's by the same people that made Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, I'm aware of it. Okay, okay. So imagine, I ain't like, got a clue. This is like gaming. I only play like FIFA and 2K, if that. So okay, so you so you do play the sports sims then, yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm like because I think there's two types of gamers in it. There's like a short burst you pick it up and just maybe a quick quick go here and there. But there's people that go in like I know I know people listening go in and um so yeah just just a bit of sport here and there. So I'm I'm waiting for a boxing game. I'm waiting for like a fight night, a new fight night to come out. Oh, okay. Yeah, nothing yeah. Will, nothing will replace that fight night for I think on the Xbox. So I want a proper boxing game because I'm a big boxing fan and I think once I get boxing then it will be football, boxing, basketball, my my trinity of sports. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now for me I can't lie like I have to put a I have to put um I have to kind of curb my enthusiasm for it to be honest because if I if I can give away days, weeks to gaming, so it's one of my vices. So I purposely like 
I lose a lot of productivity through gaming. So I kind of say to myself, like, nah, this is how many hours you're allowed to do if you do. And um, and then just like go write some bars or do something that you really love. Like get away from the the console for a hot minute, man. Allow it. All good, man. You got a good excuse now. It's it's, it's the lockdown, and I, you know so. Yeah, that's what's drawn me back in. That's what's drawn me back <laughs> in. <laughs> hey, come on. You ain't got nothing. Come on, you ain't going out nowhere. You might as well just, you know, power me up, man. Let's get this on. <laughs> Another dope thing that's happened during lockdown is these versus battles. Um, you had a chance to check any of those out? Do you know what? I've been unfortunate, man. I've kind of missed it out. Obviously, the Erica Badu and the Jill Scott one has just been resonating throughout the globe. Everyone's been talking about how much of a moment it was. Um, so I never really saw it. And Big Ben often talks about it. And there was a there was a kind of hip hop one, weren't there? Was it um was it Premier versus Jizza? Yeah, Rizza. Rizza, okay, there you go. Yeah, which, you know, I heard a little backlash of and people were saying, yo, that was epic and etc. But I have kind of missed out, man. Probably because I've been spending too much time gaming, to be fair. So, bad on me. You can go back on YouTube. They're they're all on YouTube now. So, like, I missed... So, basically, I I was an old man and I didn't want to stay up for the Primo Rizza thing. (laughs) Just, like, I don't stay up for boxing. I just watch it the next day, like, on YouTube. But you can go back and just type in. So, if you want to sit down and watch it properly, like, even the Jill Scott, Erica Badu one, because I didn't catch it live and I've not had time to digest it. Because I don't... These things you want to sit in and take in fully on board because we grew up with these artists, you know, they, they hold a special place in our hearts or whatever. So, um... You can go back and watch it properly, so I'd, I'd like to watch that. And I'm a big fan of uh, Erica Badu and Jill Scott. So, off the top of the dome, though, you see, like with um, with with Primo, um, I kind of feel like um, Primo has worked with so many artists that he was he's he must have won that, right? It, yeah, he, it was closer than people gave it. I mean, people was expecting Primo to take it by a lot. But RZA definitely gave uh, gave as good as he got, and some people even argue that RZA got it. Uh, but I think it's down to preference, and also uh, the choices of which record against which record, and then also certain records weren't played at all. So mm. I don't think I don't know if Ice Cream was played by at all, which for me is in my top three uh, Wu Tang joints of all time. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes yeah, people forget some of the joints that RZA made, some of the people RZA worked with on the Wu albums because Nas was on um, Ghostface up, no, Ray and Ghost album, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Incarcerated um, Scarface. And, uh, and Scarface. Yeah. Incarcerated Scarface, sorry. <laughs> and um, RZA also made a beat on um, Biggie's second album, Life After Death. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I noticed because I looked through the playlist of... Um, what was what was um, played? I looked at the track listing, and because I was thinking to myself, surely he's only going to be able to play Wu joints. Um, but actually, I was surprised because there was some other stuff there. And yeah, I did notice there was something from the was it? It wasn't the Ready to Die album, was it? It was um, Life After Death. Life After Death. Yeah. If you if you want cheating as well, like you can. This is me as well. Like so. You can go. Someone put together a RZA versus Primo playlist of the of the order as well. So okay. Like, so like when I'm running, because I've been running a lot during this uh, lockdown to get fit, so I've been able to listen to music. And one of them playlists is the RZA versus Primo playlist on Spotify. So I advise people getting into that if they want to. You know what? 
I was uh, I was speaking to someone just last night about because I was I posted on my Instagram to run or not to run and I have been kind of running. I do at least two k if I can a day, but I try and do ten k on a good day, right? And this person messaged me and goes like, "Yo, I do at least ten k every day." I'm like, "Why?" And he goes, "I'm on a six hundred and eleven day streak." I don't know how much I can believe that if you know exactly what your streak is like that. That's a bit mad, but um. But he was like, the key is to get a good playlist. That's the key. Get a yeah, good yeah. playlist and just get on with the job. And I was starting to think, I was like, yo, you know what? You might be right. But the only problem I have is I've got these like big Beats headphones, which I don't <laughs> think kind of work for running. And, you know, sweating in them would be a lot. Yeah. Uh, you need the earpods or something. Yeah, I think I need to up my game with my um, listening devices for... For my running, man, because it's key. Because you can put on weight out here very easily. You know, I've been on my chocolate <laughs> and muffins and that while I've been stuck here, and it's getting a bit wild. You've been I'm baking, quarantine baking. <laughs> no, I'm not baking, bro. I just get when, when I do my essential shop run. There's always like some cheesecake or some crisps or some muffins get in there, and then the, the activity levels have dropped anyway. So I'm looking at the stomach. I'm like, yo, that's getting a little bit round. So. um definitely a playlist man but no you're doing the right thing you're sort of starting off and and as i say to other people it doesn't matter what you do as long as you do it and it doesn't matter how far you go like my sister's doing um uh couch to 5k so she's she's trying to run a 5k you know before she couldn't even run for five minutes Mm. for whatever reasons but now she's doing it and it's just about motivating one another and bigging people up no matter what they're doing what are you doing ben because the way you just talked to me there was like yeah well done you're trying you're, I thought you'd be like, 10K, well done, man. But it was like, no, you're trying. You're doing the right thing. No, you were saying, you were saying 2K a day. Yeah, no, 10K is calm. Like, that's that's a solid, man. That's, what's that? That's um six, seven, six miles, six and a bit miles, isn't it? Okay, so. No, five, uh, 5K is three miles. So six miles you're doing, yeah. So 10K is six miles. How, how, how much, um, what are you, what are you doing at the moment? Not more than that. I'm doing like, uh, between six to eight. Wow. That's solid. Standardly, yeah. Every other day, like almost every other day. But my problem is my feet. So your your guy is saying he's doing a run every day. His feet must be doing some madness. Like he must have some, <laughs> he must have some bunions on bunions. <laughs> His feet must be doing the like some because uh, it's your feet are at the end of the run, mate. I don't know about him, but I need to get some proper running shoes because I got broad feet. I need to get some proper running shoes, but at the minute it's a bit of a park because everything's closed. But every other every other day, if I can go for a run, because I was saying I was playing basketball, scrimmaging, I was playing football, I was playing badminton, you know, I was doing a lot. So I've had to replace it with playing uh, with running. Sorry. So the thing is, I found out that this is the madness. Yeah, since once you cross that thirties threshold, I could do anything I want, and I would stay in shape. There comes a sudden point where it's like, I can't even look at a bag of crisps without it making an impact on my physique. Oh, mate. Chocolate digestives. Listen, we bought chocolate digestives the other day and I hit the whole packet in two days. Yeah, I said to my wife, no more, no more. Because when when you're, I'm close to 40 now and my metabolism, I don't know about you, man, but it's a par, mate. It's a yeah, par. that's what I'm saying. So suddenly it's like, before I never counted calories. I never worried about any of them things, yeah? Now, all of a sudden... I'm finding myself like having to consciously go out and exercise to make sure that yeah. I'm in shape 
and don't let like and don't don't go out of control. And I know there's people now in their twenties listening, going, "Oh man, yeah, that ain't me. That ain't me." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speak to me in a bit, yeah, because I was naturally genetically, you know, what I mean, I've got that African gene. It's it's wild. I'm meant to be tall, slender, and slim, but still to this day, now it's getting to a point where, like I say, all I got to do is look at a packet of digestives, and oh, my physique starts getting out of shape, man. I, I got the I got the Welsh and English gene, mate. I'm short, fat, stumpy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're battling it. You're battling it from every angle. Ready for winter, mate. Just stocking up the uh, big belly boys. That's what I'm fighting, isn't it? So booze, <laughs> booze is the big one. So if you, so when you, when I did a detox for a month, like a dry January or a or a dry um, November, or whatever calories this went, mate. Calories. So if you don't drink for a month, trust me, that's gonna that's gonna do the that's gonna do the work. Yeah, you're yeah, a big drinker, yeah. bro. I'm not really, you know, to be fair, I'm not like, I'm not one of these people that don't drink. And I've had my times when I've been like more in the rhythm of always the sun, the sun can do it for me when it's sunny and it's like nice outside and that, a, the, you know, a cold beer just feels like, yeah, it just feel it feels right. Talking um, our language. And that's mm-hmm. when, yeah, a cold beer feels right. And that's when you could just like, that's when I could lick down a few of them, to be honest, and then suddenly find that, oh, I am banging on the calories. But um, in general, it's not like a vice of mine. It's not like something where I'm like, yo, um, this is going to be hard to knock on the head. I can find myself going for a long period, like a month, for example, where I haven't had a drink, and I wouldn't have even noticed. My thing was smoking, was mm-hmm. smoking. I, I, I smoked for like six years now. Oh, well done, well done. I, I, used, I used to wake up and straight away mate on it um and now i'm uh <laughs> and now i've got that cool kind of all under control for the last six years man my dad passed the lung cancer so that was what triggered me to say nah this ain't for me and it was one of the hardest things in in, in my life to stop but yeah i stopped it so my only vice at the moment consoles and coffee Jeez, that's a that's, that's a, a record right there that's the name of a record <laughs> that's the album isn't it that's Consoles the album. coffee Consoles and coffee. Jeez, I'm loving it. I'm loving the energy. I'm loving the energy. Right, we're gonna, we're gonna. We're, how long we've we been recording, Kyle? Because this has been, this has been a wonderful moment, man. Like Kingpin, we really appreciate you. We're gonna. I don't know how long we're gonna keep going, but this is, this is fly through a bit. Kyle, how long we got on the clock? Um, well, so we've been over an hour and fifteen. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, we have got a couple of more talking points we can get through. I don't know how you guys are feeling about it. I'm, I'm calm to continue. I'm good. I'm good. Cool, cool, cool. Well, we spoke, we spoke on sport. I think we'll leave the music to the end, but we just spoke, spoke on sport, and I know you're a Tottenham fan, but we won't go too much about the, the, the football there. But um, have you seen Mike Tyson making a comeback? I saw Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield poster come up on my timeline, and I said, nah, surely this is a spoof. It looked like, <laughs> it looked like you know, the poster for Life. Remember that film, Life? Oh, Mike? Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looked like <laughs> that's a par you know oh my it looked days. like it looked like the post of life um, yeah so I was like nah this surely this is a mock made up online until you guys have asked me about this now so I'm thinking is this real is this actually like, happening he looks like an animal bro the way he's like hitting the pads I'm like flipping out Oh, same. So I did also see some gram footage of um, Tyson um, banging out 
some punching pads. And I just thought, oh, he's just trying to stage. He's actually training to fight Holly Holyfield, yeah? Is that is that fight happening? Is that who his comeback is? Is it? Uh, Holly- I, I, I wouldn't exactly say that, but that footage kind of alludes to the fact that Mike Tyson is actually trying to make us a proper comeback. And um, even Dana White, you know, the, uh, the UFC Supremo, he okay. came out and he said, you know, Mike, please don't. Like, he just came out with a big, please don't come back into, into professional fighting. Okay. So he, uh, he his legacy kind of took a downward spiral after prison. Well, just the whole accusation that he went through that imprisoned mm. him in the first place messed with his legacy. But then to come out, you know, he got he got bus up, man, a couple of times. Like, in well, fact... In fact, yeah. I don't know if you know Daily Grinder from hip from the world of hip hop. Yeah, um, yeah, Daily Grinder. It was one of his. It was his relative that bust him up once, man. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. I forget what the name of that boxer is, but that hurt my feelings because again, Mike Tyson was an icon to me because to this day, him and his pomp, like I can't recall anyone that I don't think anyone could deal with him. He was the one person that you kind of think and go, I'm scared of even contemplating being in the same ring as that guy that would just scare the life i don't same ring the same room as him he was just like unhinged um but now to come into it now at this stage of his i think his career is done anyways at this stage of his career but to come back now um i'm just thinking like you're, you're just gonna further tarnish your legacy man and also i think a lot of these boxes if i'm honest with you they're punch drunk man they've been smacked in the head too much so not all of them are making great decisions. Mm, mm. I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see him come back, even if it was for chat. Like I'd rather see him do a do a training session with young kids or young people or celebrities rather than and then and then people pay to watch him go through drills and practice rather than get in the ring, even with protective gear. I wouldn't want to see that for for anyone. Sort of, um, you know, just to, not even to tarnish the legacy, but just leave it leave it there and and then move forward and do other things. So. Hopefully he's doing it to keep fit. I know uh, Tyson Fury's dad was trying to get a bit of press by offering him out, but that's just—that's got to be madness. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation. Me personally, because I love Tyson so much, I would love to see Tyson fight again. But what I don't want is him in like a and an a real professional fight, fighting against like some young fighter or something. That that would be crazy. I don't think. They I do think that. I think they could do a thing. You know, like in the Olympics, where the guys have got like head guards, and maybe they do like three round fights or something like that. Um, I I, I, I think know. something like that could work. And, and, and if it's like you know, because there was talk about Shannon the Cannon getting in there and. You know, Holyfield and all these old boys. It would kind of be like Masters football, like you know, when the old boys kind of like <laughs> having a kick about. <laughs> yeah, like so yeah, if they could I, feel like that, I think that would be entertaining. Still, I don't know, man. Because but the thing about it is, with football, I get it. Yeah, you're gonna do it. But the thing about it is, boxing is undeniably a very dangerous sport. You know what I'm saying? And um, it was like I was talking about with basketball. My mind says I'm 19, but my body says something different. So it's like Tyson can get in there, but. Yo, people can people die in the ring, you know? Like not a joke. Like so as much as like it would be a great idea, I think like man's already took too many punches to the head. That's that's the only reason he's contemplating this. So I think just let it be. If, if we want to see a Tyson fight, I want to see Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua, man. Let's get this one. Let's stop trying to milk the cow and let's actually get this fight on. You Who's feel your money on? Who's your money on? Fury, man. Yeah, yeah, Cal. Great. There's no way AJ could win that fight, is there? 
Mm, well, there is a way, but I think the majority will think Fury for sure. Yeah, and do you know what? On that, yeah, AJ has disappointed me because basically I feel like it would have been an even bigger fight if he'd have took it a little bit earlier. But they just wanted to keep throwing like these stiffs in front of AJ and, and it backfired because the big boy, the, the, the tubby Mexican, I forget what his name is. His name escapes me right now. Ruiz, Andy Ruiz. Yeah. Knocked him out. Didn't just knock him out. Well, didn't knock him out, but knocked Four him out so many him out. times. And it's like, do you know what? Shame on you guys for trying to milk it too long and extract too much money. Because now nobody's really, AJ's not the headliner anymore. Fury's the headliner now. You get think, me? Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely hear what you're saying. I think Fury's definitely helped play up to the crowd over here and in America. He's the better boxer, without a shadow of a doubt. He's, he's, he's the, you know, the, the fans like who they want to watch, and he's, he's bought into the media more. Um, but you know, don't underestimate AJ. I don't think AJ could win. I mean, anything could happen in the ring, but yeah. you know, AJ was still, you know, he, he done well in the Olympics. He's still like was a young champion, but they they need to make it happen. Or even if they do bloody Wilder versus AJ before, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be that was the fight I wanted initially. I was yeah. like, why is Tyson Fury getting in the way? Go back into retirement, man. Nobody cares, and that just testament to how Tyson Fury's played this game so smart. Because all of a sudden, I've gone from, why is he getting in the way, to actually, this is the fight I want to see. Yeah. Fury versus um, AJ. So, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, there's some other good fights, potentially. Um, I was listening to L. Spence, L. Spence Jr., possibly against, uh, he wants Pacquiao or Crawford, but that's, that's, a, that's a lower weight division. But, uh, right, moving on, moving on, moving on. Fighting, uh, I've been watching Gangs of London. I don't know if you lads know about Gangs of London, but I do recommend Gangs of London for a bit of violence, a bit of a Cockney geezer violence. Well, it's it's the like geezer that. from, um, the guy from um, Peaky Blinders, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, and he's got, you know what, it's a funny one because he's meant to be like the, this boss's son who's taken over, but he's got the poshest accent. Not the poshest accent, but he, you expect him to sound like a right old East Ender, innit? But... So is he? Is he? Because in 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 Peaky Blinders, he's a Brummy. Yeah, in this he's a he's a he's meant to be like um I think it's meant to be set in Bethnal or East London or somewhere like that. But um yeah, he's he, he he's the head of one family, and then it's got like the Turks, it's got some African gang, it's got um the uh, Albanians, and they're just dealing with like monopolizing London and and the drugs. It's it's really well pro uh, produced and put together. Um, the is, it, are amazing. is it set in this current climate or is it yeah 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 yeah. set in this current okay. climate it's, it's worth watching it's on Sky um, or if you might want to stream it if you're about that live stream life yeah, um, I'm leeching my mum's Sky Go so anyway yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> big up the family members big, big up the family mumsy, members big up mumsy for the Sky Go so yeah I'm cool I got this and, um, and uh, well what got sent to me by uh, T-Bear big up T-Bear he sent me uh, the Wu-Tang uh, the link for the Wu Tang uh, mini series. I thought it was no, a documentary. Send me that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Send me that, please. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll that. yeah, yeah. Of so the I'll list start. of things that I want to watch, that is right up there, and I'll, I'll get onto that. Like that's that's this evening. Yeah. Yeah. Get on it. Get on it. I, I yeah. saw like the first episode of Gangs of London, and then a little bit of the first episode of the Wu Tang show, 
And honestly, I think the Wu Tang show is much more up my street, man. Yeah, it just looks amazing. There's a, there's um, a scene there's a scene where uh, sorry to cut your card because what it is it, it backdates the Wu Tang when they were like not even together like when they were at each other's heads or whatever the Park Hill lot and and then there's a scene where Bobby um, Bobby his name's Bobby in it but like Rizzo's going to the uh, the music shop and he's playing with the SP machine and he's like yo, what's that the drum machine he's like yo what's that man he's like I've yeah, never see, seen this this is what I love about, you know, like, it's mad because what was, um, you know, was a young, vibrant culture that is hip-hop is now becoming this legendary, you know, we're in a transition now where we look back on it nostalgically and, like, these figures are, you know, pivotal in, in cultural shifts. But it's like, it started with just some kid walking into a record shop Banging That's on the SP3. You know what I'm saying? These these small things that we don't know are going to impact the rest of our our lives or have permit, permutations that impact on the, the, the musical landscape. It's, it's, yeah, so I want to see that, man. I can't wait to see it's it. Got, um, it's got ODB's son in it as well, who plays, who plays him. So ODB's son plays ODB. Oh, like how they had Ice Cube's son playing um, Ice Cube in uh, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can definitely see like um the erratic nature just from talking to people the way he talks to people like the woman in the chinese shop like the takeaway shop tries to get one girl's number it's <laughs> it's mad it's mad but it's, yeah i'm gonna send it or i've sent it to cal he might send it to you but definitely big up Imagine being a you and having to reenact your dad's antics as a you oh my god I can't even wait to see sort of the recording process for Brooklyn Zoo because they show they show the, um, <laughs> they show doing the demo for Method Man like doing um, the Method Man verse the first verse. Um, oh, it's just it's sick, man. It's sick. I'm gonna watch the rest of it tonight. Like the link. I'm on this thing. 100%. Definitely. Also, I do think Gangs of London will be worth a watch. I just didn't quite get into the first episode as much. I was kind of playing FIFA at the same time. You know the ones where it's on in the background and you're not really paying that much attention. But it didn't really grip me. But I do yeah. think it's kind of looking like, like, a, like a, a British version of The Wire, like how Ben said, where you've got your different families, your different groups of people. Not as good. I mean? Not as good. You're nowhere near as good. Nothing. Not, like The Wire is one of the only things I've watched where I immediately felt envy and jealousy. Like, I wish I'd made that. Like, it's so sick. And, um, like... I've spoke to Nova about Gangs of London or just seen some of his comments on it. And he was like very, he was just dismissive of it. He, he said there was a lot of hype. He was, he was hoping for good things, but he was skeptical. And then he just said, I've watched a little bit of it and I'm not impressed. However, I'm not going to let that detract from my own opinion of it. So I will give it a chance. It's worth watching. It's on the back foot for me at the moment because such a good friend of mine has said, mm -mm. So Ooh, I'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll have a look into it. Yeah, no, you're not wrong there. Cal, Cal you've been watching Westworld as well. You've actually stuck through it because I was struggling after season one, man. But yeah, you've you know stuck me. through Westworld. You know me, man. I'm a computer geek through and through. So when you're giving me some sci-fi, like, that's right on my street, isn't it? And um, with this, like, I wasn't really into cowboys. Like, I was never really into westerns. So <laughs> Should hope not season... into cowgirls. <laughs> 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 um the first season for me was was a bit painful, man, because it was all fully Western. But I did like that kind of theme behind it, of it being, you know, to do with artificial intelligence and robots and stuff like that. But when you get into season two, it gets a bit more crazy. And then season three is just, wow, like, like 
the dope thing that you guys would like is Kid Cuddy's in there. And okay. they've also brought in some like some 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 well-known kind of actors and familiar faces, like uh the guy that plays Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad. Okay. He's in season three and he's got a starring role as well. And you know what his character's like? Like they've got that Jesse Pinkman kind of feel to his character. So it's okay. kind of like watching Jesse again, you know? It's not it's, it's yeah, season three. It's absolutely bang. I think I enjoyed it more than the first two seasons of Westworld, man. They've 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 improved it somehow. I'm going to get into it because yeah. we watched we watched uh, Westworld. My wife and I watched it ages ago, and we so we some of it we weren't concentrating, so we had to keep sort of reading up on it. But my friend QB Smith was talking about Westworld. But um, have you seen the film like with your Brenner, like the original? No. Didn't even know there was a film about it. Uh, now this film, the film resonates with me because it's like it, I watched it when I was a child when there was something like going on in our, you know, uh, the, the day my dad was buried or whatever. So it always resonates with me. Like I was watching it upstairs where everyone was downstairs partying and drinking, and I'm thinking, right, why is everyone partying like at awake? In it, obviously you have no concept of what awake is as a child. Yeah, yeah. So I watched that film and it will always resonate with me. But if you can watch the film as the original with your Brenner, and it's basically the same thing, like a, 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 a AI cowboy goes rogue and, and everyone buys into this um, this adventure theme park of, of, of a, a Western. So it's, it's good. You don't need to watch the film to know the program, but it, it's definitely nice to have some context. So, yeah, big up, big up the Westworld massives still. Yeah, I didn't. I haven't done Westworld, admittedly. So I'm, I'm, I'm sounding kind of lame when it comes to the current TV. But uh, the, good, what I, what it reminded me of is something that I have watched over this, um, over this period of time. I don't know whether any of you have seen this film, but Ex Machina, which obviously isn't oh, a current. That film was bad. Yeah, I need to. Oi. I heard about it. Oi. That's all I'm saying. I watched that. I was if you're into the AI sci-fi thing or you like Westworld then I think, would I be right in saying that, Cal? Like, if you like Westworld, then this Ex Machina will probably appeal to you as well. 100%. 100%. kind of like, felt like when you were discussing it, it felt like it reminded me of watching that film, like, which is something I've watched during this lockdown. Um, the wifey made me watch that, and whoa! It was a smash I up. I don't hear many people talking about that movie, you know. So it's interesting that, um, that you would bring that up, because that's one that I really enjoyed, man. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it's just that AI thing, isn't it? I mean, it, it yeah. got me, man. I was like, yo, this film's a lot. Mm. So, yeah, that was one of my lockdown movies. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> There's enough to watch, man. Like that, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, well, it's not, it? Like I said, with Transformers, that's like the original, it, you know, that's, that's my childhood sci-fi. So, and the love of comics, all of that. So, yeah, man. I love sick, it, man. Sick, sick. All right, we'll, we'll end with music. I mean, it's... It's been uh, a funny week or two sort of releases. We'll, we'll skim through these because I haven't... I've, I've listened to some of it. Um, can we start from the bottom? Sneakbow. I listened to Sneakbow's album. Now, um, for those unfamiliar, Sneakbow's a South London rapper. Um, was sort of on this whole sort of... I can't, really, I can't really describe it, but it was like some up-tempo party tunes but before he was a real goon. Uh, but this album, uh, there's a lot of growth. I like it. Um, and Rude Kid did a lot of the beats. And Rude Kid's known for his grime production. But th- his production sounding a bit different on this project. So they got the Sneakball record that he did with Dappy as well. There's a, there's a real good record with Dappy and Sneakball about if you like this girl, be careful. You think she's the one, but she's a 10 type of thing. So I knew you'd like it. that. This guy's the biggest Dappy fanboy going. 
<laughs> I wouldn't say fanboy. I just don't think he gets his props for like what what he could do. Obviously, uh, he's had his problems in the uh, the press and stuff. But that guy is uh, is multi talented, man. If you look what he did to Scorcher, brother, and the Clash, brother, like dupped him. Mm. But in my opinion, I, I, anyway, I I I, I kind of I got look. He's had he's had whole um, issues, you know, in the press about this, that, and the other. But I remember seeing him on Celebrity Big Brother and thinking. I like this guy. And further to that, obviously, Nova has a personal relationship with him. Oh, okay. My boy. So, you I know, Nova, he's talented. I just think Nova, he's mad talented. Nova always champions him. And actually, I do think he, he does very melodical stuff and very lyrical stuff. He does combine it very well. Um, so, yeah, my hat goes off to Dappy. I think, I think he is about it, man. I can't. Yeah, he was a... Yeah. Do you know what? Just, just this is we're talking about it now, and the whole um, what was the crew that he was in with the other two? Um, oh, yeah, 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 with Talitza and and Dubs. Channel U did a live stream, 24, 24 hour live stream on the on the YouTube channel, so you could watch all the uh, Channel U videos from back in the day, just nonstop. Wow. So that was a blast in the past. I know you men can remember Channel U. Yeah, yeah, of course. What channel? Tell you even still around? Like, what have they got a, an Insta or something? Where were they? What stories were they posting this on? So basically, someone put it on Twitter, and it was this. I think they had a YouTube channel, and they were just live streaming videos from like twenty four hours. So you go on there. So when I went on there randomly, I, I saw a tug of war. Do you remember tug of war? Tuggy, yeah. tuggy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw him live recently. Believe it or not. Seriously. Yeah, at Slam Jam. Yeah, <laughs> he went. He, was, yeah, he moves in the hip hop world these days. Yeah, he was sick. He was. His performance was insane. I can't yeah, lie. He's, he's got a good. He's got a fascinating story. Sort of coming up. He was on the uh, Shed podcast. Big up the Shed podcast because they they had him on uh, a while ago. But uh, I just went on there randomly and I saw that tug of war. Then I saw um, Gash by the Hour by um, Agro uh, Santos. Uh, no, 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 no. New brand flex, new brand flex. Okay, okay. Proper old school grime here. So Channel U had all these old videos and I know N-dubs were the, you know, at the forefront with Chipmunk and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, big up Dappy and the Sneakball. But we're talking about Sneakball. Decent project, a lot of maturity, a lot of songs about girls and partying, which considering Sneakball's history of... <laughs> That type of rap, you know, road rap, if you could call it that, or the gas gang stuff, it's, it's, it's a decent project, man. So big up Sneakbo, and uh, I think it's on a major as well. So props to him. Yo, so so having said that, I'm, I'm just looking at like, a lot of the new music that's come out, like the Little Sims, Future, Chris Brown, Young Fog. I, I quickly like flipped through because I knew All right, I'm going to be doing this guy, this stuff now, and I need to get in tune with what's good. Um. And sometimes I'm kind of off, out of tangent with popular culture. I tend to check things out retrospectively once mm. the hype settles down or when, I'm, when I find out something really is worth a listen. And um, I was a bit nervous about doing this interview because I was like, what if we're talking about stuff? I, I, my finger's been off the pulse. And this is what happens to me when I get creative. I purposely block out what's going on in the, in, in the game because I don't want to... Um, I don't want any influences. I want to try and sound as much as unique as possible or in, as much as in touch with my own creativity without any influences breaking in. So, um, yeah, I did have a quick listen to some of this stuff because I've been a bit out of touch. And the Little Sims project was the one that I kind of played, spun it over a few times. And I was like, yo, this sounds pretty cool. 
um, Chris Brown and Young Thug. I just I haven't really thoroughly listened to it, but I played a couple tunes and I was like, just feels a little bit generic. Like I didn't feel like there was anything going on there that made me go, oh, I need to give this a deeper listen and really get into it. I don't know how you you lot felt about that. Oh yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, for for me, Chris Brown and Young Thug, that project there is just about like a vibe. Like if you're someone who's gonna sip some lean, pop a zanny or something. So not us, not us basically. (laughs) That's the soundtrack. That's the soundtrack to your wave, isn't it? Um, But definitely for grown men. Our demographic pop lean and fucking zannies and stuff. I hope they don't. That's it. That's it. So you know, we should do a cow. Cal, yeah. we should do a chop. We should do a chopped and screwed podcast where we talk mad slow. And <laughs> if you listen, to- <laughs> pick up them, man. But yeah, that's. Did you- it's definitely a different. Um, what's the word I'm looking for, man? It's definitely a whole different demographic they'll be aimed at. Yeah, it's not. It's not like you know, thirty plus kind of like grown, mature people. I think that. Aim, this music is aimed at. Well, obviously, mature people can get down with that. Of course, mm. you can. You know, like like when you're driving your car. I think I had a convo yeah, once about there's a different type of music that you're going to listen to when you're job bumping in your car yeah. compared to like when, maybe when you're at home and you just want to hear some bars and you want to like, digest something deep. You know, but when you're in your car, you don't really want to hear all the all the lyrical bars. You just just some bass and a vibe. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's exactly. music for your whip, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same for the future. Same the future's having that because I was saying, I mean, nothing about future to me. I, I, I just don't get future. If I'm honest, like one or two records back in the day, uh, I don't get Travis Scott. I'm not meant to get it, but this this future album, there's one or two decent joints. But I think this is more for your running, if you're going to the gym, if you're at a club and it's that type of vibe, or you're driving, then it's that type of music, and it's, it'll put you in that type of mood. But you know what I find fi- why I admire Future to a degree, right? And I don't, I don't know his musical history that deep, but he was part of Dungeon Family, right? Mm-hmm. So I always kind of think like that's amazing to be involved in hip hop for so long, like from its origin source, like that, that, and then to be able to do the kind of new flavor and the contemporary stuff at this very moment, like I feel like. That's amazing, like that ability to transcend through the decades and stay with your finger on the pulse. And I have to admire him for that. You feel yeah, me? Yeah. So that's that's my thing about future. I haven't listened to this project in any great depth. It's probably something that I would bang in the whip. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I kind of agree with Kingpin in saying that, you know, that Little Sims project is one it's one to digest and you know just let that marinate um although when i played that sneak ball project immediately i was like "Woo, there's some bangers on here like and and i got i got to like about eight tracks in and i realized that i wasn't skipping anything and it was just tunes that i thought were banging off the banging off the bank so i'm i'm thinking that's like a four point album that's that new sneak ball release man i really liked it Oof, um, four points. nine lives i did think um the production was a little bit different to, to what you suggested there, Bren. But um, I what did like mean? all of the... I think you said it was Rude Kid on the production on, on there, on that Nine Lives album. But I thought yeah. it was uh, some next guy called Lecker or something like that. No, I he does. So he does like... So Rude Kid, you know, Rude Kid, because I checked the credits. So that's another thing with Spotify. Well, I think we all miss is reading through the credits of a CD or record and seeing who produced it, where it was mixed. For me, anyway, any samples... 
So at least with Spotify, you can see who produced it if, if you need to sort of sound geeky, which I'm going to do now. But like with, with the Root Kid production, he's known for his grime and like one of the best grime producers. This, he, he did some beats on it and it sounds, it's, it's decent, man. It's solid. Yeah. yeah there's, a few dr- there's a few drill beats on there, which I'm getting into like the drill sound, but um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big sounding album. It's, it's like, you know, it sounds well, it sounds yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like like you said, like, that, that, I like that sneak ball kind of like um, alluding to what Kingpin was saying about being able to stay relevant and move for the times. I like the way Sneakball's done that because he kind of came out with his own kind of jet ski wave kind of sound and then he's, he's able to move into this UK drill kind of flow patterns and those types mm. of beats um, and just kind of mix it up and you know, be able to collaborate with artists like Dappy, and the one with Fecky on there is a banger as well. Like, yeah, you can't go wrong with Fecky. Anything Fecky touches on is good. And I like the odd ads. I'm a big fan of odd ads as well. So um, that's a, big that's a solid well. record. Uh, hey, hey I like it, man. I like it. I've, I think for me, that's one of the standout ones, um, along with uh, Little Sims. Definitely. UK, flying the flag, flying the flag. I think Little Sims you're going to listen to with your with your, your earphones and proper take it in or smoke to it or meditate to it or whatever. Uh and Little Sims is just a wordsmith, and she just keeps going from strength to strength. So big up, big up the UK flying the flag. I think that uh, puts an end to everything we've covered so far. I'm not, Carl, I don't know if you've got anything else you want to cover. You know what? I would just love to get to get one more question into Kingpin. Yeah, let's go, I think let's this go. is one that will resonate with our female listeners. Um, so we kind of touched on a little bit about um, back in the day, and you know, you being a, a sort of a businessman. Mm-hmm. And obviously a rapper and someone who's always ever present in the UK rap scene for a very long time. Okay. Um, and then the fact that you had a, a quite a high profile relationship as well with mm. someone else who was quite high profile in the scene. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I just I just hoped you could share your experience with us. Tell us what it is like being in a bit of a power couple where it's two people who are in the same industry that have come together. Um, you know, that, what, 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 what's the dynamic of that relationship? First, first and foremost, it's not as good as being in the relationship I'm in now. Really? <laughs> Shout out to wifey. <laughs> let's get let's get that one. Let's get that one off the bat. Um, I I don't know. Um, you know, I didn't. That's not why I didn't get in there. Like it wasn't a PR stunt thing for me, so I didn't look at it and think, oh, this this works. Um, but clearly, I think I. I never wanted to be involved with someone that was in the game. So that was my initial thought. Like, I feel like sometimes being in a relationship, like is an opportunity to escape the daily grind and the daily pursuit. It's actually, it's someone to kick back and, and chill with and not have to worry about those things that we're any career aspirations and stuff like that. This is someone, this is my downtime, you know, um, and although you're supposed to help each other out and put the wind in each other's sails, there's another part of it that's like, you know what? Um, I want when I want to escape from all that, I've I've got my partner. So it made it hard to really get away from rap, really. Um, and um, it was cool because people were attentive to it. It was it was an angle, um, but it was. It made it hard for me to to make music because I I give a lot in relationships and I put a lot into their first album, her first album. So figure of speech. She did a project before that, but that went over everyone's head. Um, 
Where so that first album, I kind of gave a lot of advice, contributed a lot. So I got a lot of the producers that are on there, um, but it made it hard for me to do to do me. So I think ultimately, I'm glad I had the experience, but I'm glad it's it's behind me now. You know, because I can concentrate on being an artist again, and it made my relationship with music difficult. Because as I said, Caxton Press was a we were hugely successful as a as a group before I met Shay, and um, that broke up, and that was painful. And then relationships, breakups in relationships, they are difficult, they're challenging. So it made music a place that represented relationships that didn't work out. So that's why it's taken me so long, really, to get back on my horse and make music because I had to kind of get past a lot of that. So um, when you're in something like that and it doesn't work out, you'll always question that other person's motives. Like, was it was it a, a leg up for their career? Was it about that? Or you never know. Like, it just, you all kind of, but some questions you'll never answer. So I'm glad I went through every experience because every experience I've had has got me to here. And, and helped me progress and learn. But um, I wouldn't advise it to anybody thinking of doing something like that, you know, getting involved in like a relationship. Oh, this will work for our careers and all of that. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise it. My experience of it is I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it while I was in it. And I, looking back on it, I don't enjoy it now. Um, and I'm, and I'm very happy in the relationship that I'm in now, thankfully. So the best thing it's given me is the experience. To, to know what I do want. You know what I'm saying? Big yeah, yeah. That's what we've got. Cal, a few questions at the end, man. Right, you kept that one right to the end, Cal. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it was, it was in the <laughs> list, but we just kind of, we didn't quite get there, man. And uh, I, I kind of skirted that... around it, didn't I? When you, when you, uh, when you first brought it up, I kind of, scoot, scoot. Yeah. <laughs> your, your F1 driving around it, scoot. <laughs> hey, no, no, it's love, it's love. So we're going to end this with top three selected. You gave us your top three Marvel films oh. in the order. Yeah, 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 go on. I asked, I asked Cal earlier, but he pardoned me off, so I'm going to speak to but he's, he's, he's Marvel through but we're, we're going to end with um, top three selected rappers it's so mad it could change at any time just yeah. go with your heart just go with whatever's pop- what are you listening to I, minute, I, I, get you, I get you I get you but it's, look, I just want to say <laughs> it's, it's transient it depends where I'm at and what mood I'm at and whatever and top three is tough like you know but um, Nas is the easy one that's the easy one uh, I love it was written album I love Illmatic I love Stillmatic Okay, Those are the three cool. albums of Nas that really. Can I just, I like ask, just 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 person to interrupt? Sorry, just for just for sort of uh, selfish views. Uh, Ill matter quite it was written. <sighs> I know where I know where I stand against the uh, against the uh, the masses, and I'm the same with Infamous and Hell on Earth. But yeah, I do think I do think maybe it was written. You know. I do think maybe it was written. Sorry to sound con- con- controversial. No, 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 you're with me on that one, man. That doesn't take any way, anything away from Illmatic. No, I mean, um, Illmatic is probably the better, but it was written is where he's in his bag and just killing it. But sorry, go on. Nas, sorry. That was just a, that was just a tangent. Sorry. Uh, it, uh, Nas. Lord Finesse. Ooh, great shot. Great shot. No one's going to say that, is no it? No one's going to say it. Like, I feel like his style fathered like Big L and a lot of the digging in the crates thing and that plus he was a sick producer like i love his beats as well so i know that's probably cheating but that's another and like he just it was like really simple it wasn't like over complicated flow patterns and nothing and like loads of metaphors you know 
he was, loads of similes actually it was very like a simile you know messing with me would be like you know, it's yeah. always it was always a lot. He would be like this, or doing this would be like that. It was just constantly. But I just I just loved it. And um, seeing him live, he sounds like a records playing. He actually sounds exactly like you press play on the record or a CD. Very yeah. few That's artists do that, don't they? Yeah, yeah. He sounds exactly like how you 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 want to when you're playing that track. So Law Finesse, Nas, um. Obviously, Jay-Z and Biggie, I love all of those lot, but I'm going to go a bit left field here and say Q-Tip. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. I, I know you're thinking I'm a weirdo, but I do like all of that soulful sound that came from that era, you know, uh, and like that kind of in tune with the jazz kind of vibe. Like mm-hmm. something mellow and chilled and nostalgic about that. It was even nostalgic back in its time. And um, it just, I kind of loved that. And because of all the Tribe Called Quest projects, because he was the driving force behind it with the production as well and so meticulous, it's not just, it's not even about him as a rapper. It's about what they did and what happened and, and how much I loved that. I'm going to say them. But if you, in two years' time, if you ask me my top three, the only person that would probably still be on it is Nas, and then I'd come up with another two. Like it's just so weird, like that. But right now, going for gut, Nas, Lord Finesse, Q-Tip. Six, it's always dope to hear how different everyone's top three is, man. And that's completely valid. They're they're, they're your three best rappers, you know, at this moment in time. Yeah. And um, I I totally get the Q-Tip reference. He is a hip hop legend, so hundred percent justified in putting him in the top three and um going back to your first album the track you got out of here i mm-hmm. think that's one of my favorite king king songs and okay and i think i think i can maybe even hear a cute influence in that type of a track there as well yeah it's mad. It sense to me. and you know what the funny thing that you mentioned that song kind of as we're coming to a rap is it's like i wrote the first verse to that song over ty's instrumental uh wait a minute so so the the actual lyrics were written over wait a minute then, wow. I, then I got that instrumental and I was like, oh, this works. So I put that track over, I put that verse over out of here. So, yeah, there you go, man. It just goes to show you that, um, yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because we we just, we barely touched on Ty. So RIP Ty, man. Mm-hmm, definitely, definitely, man. Well, yeah, uh, Kingpin, bro, thank you so much as well. We, like, we've gone... We've gone into sort of extra, extra time, but this is this has felt really good, bro. So thank you for giving us your time on this episode, man. Really appreciate you. My pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed it, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go downstairs with a wifey and get some fish and chips now. Before I get, yeah, before I get, you know, I've enjoyed myself so much. You can see I'm in my element now. Talking's my thing. Like, oh, let's shut it down and get something to eat. So before I get my head locked off, I'm gonna go down and get my grub. No, no worries. Don't forget, everyone can check out Nothing to Say. Uh, go stream that. Go check out uh, Kingpin on the socials one last time for everyone. Yeah, it's King Connect, and it's Connect with a K, man. So just hit me up there, man, you know? We'll be sharing it. Yeah, Nothing to Say. Big up everyone involved. Uh, I'm going to say check us out at Beer Rap Bants, Beer Rap Band at gmail.com. Episode 70, myself, Ben English. Myself, Cal Sirius. Much love and respect, Kingpin. Uh, hopefully we get to, to jam with you again another time. And, yeah, um, man. Yeah. Looking when you forward get to cameras. dunking in your head when we get down to about lane, bro. You're talking trash. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to be watching Jordan videos getting ready. And when you guys get them cameras back in, I'd love to sit in there with you with, a glass, of, with a glass of beer 
and and let's do this all over again, man. Word. Let's all right, it. man. I'm going to send you the Wu-Tang doc, man. Do that. Do that. Much love. Thanks, Thank bro. You. Thanks, bro. Safe, safe, safe. Cool, man.